I did drink, it I became a different person. You know, I was someone who I don't know, nobody no one wanted to be around me. You know, I I just I was mean, I was um I was sloppy, I was just I was always all over the place. Stories are powerful. Powerful. Welcome to the Rise, Recover, Live podcast brought to you by The Phoenix. This is a space where people impacted by substance use can come to share their story of strength and resilience, get open and honest, and inspire hope and build community through shared experience. We'll be talking to people in our community on their own recovery journey and shine a light on the topic of recovery in all its forms. Maybe you'll hear some of your story in theirs. Let's show the world that together we rise, recover, and live. All right, today we have a very special guest. Adriana is here at the beck and call of Liz. Liz actually uh, brought Adriana up when we were talking about guests to have on the show. And I'll let Liz talk a little bit about why uh, Adriana first came to mind when we talked about who could we have team member wise come to the Rise Recover Live podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we've already spoken to a staff member and Bryce and I have shared a little bit about our stories um, and we are staff members as well, although really any person who has anything to do with the Phoenix is also a team member. But Adriana comes from a place that is not on the staff. So she is a team member. She's an incredible volunteer um, for the Phoenix here in Tampa, where I am based. And just has a really cool story that um, I won't take her thunder and, and speak about it myself, but it just it just shows a different side of recovery. Just like every single person we talk to has such a unique way that they found the Phoenix, if that's part of their story, but also how they found recovery, the way it changed their lives. And the the goal of this podcast is to share these stories so that there's somebody out there that's going to hear themselves in this story. And I think a lot of people are going to hear themselves in Adriana's story. And, you know, this is such a cool community because it, it is, we support all pathways to recovery. We support all, you know, shapes and types and backgrounds of people. And I think there's, there's some times and spaces where people feel like they're not welcome in the recovery space or any space that is very specific and, you know, has to do with people having gone through a thing and we're all welcome here. And that's what we're, we're here to, to share. And I'm really excited to talk to Adriana about her story. So me too. It, and, yeah. and and so first and foremost, how are you doing today, Adriana? How's your energy? I'm I'm good. Today, honestly, I've had an amazing week and yesterday was like a really important day for me. I like passed this exam that I had been studying for for the last like 6 months. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So like high energy. I like I have so much like so much weight relieved off my shoulders from that exam that I am just like ready for whatever comes next in my life at this point. So super good, super great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm like super excited to be here and um, get to chat with y'all for a little bit. Very exciting. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're very excited to have you and yeah, definitely congratulations on that. I, that how much preparation went into that? Um, I've been studying for the exam since I, I've been preparing for it since like August of last August of 2021 I don't know, August of 2020. Wow. Been a long time. But I haven't been like really studying since probably like September of 2021. But it's been just like on my mind. Well, the only thing I really can think about in the process of becoming, I'm getting my teaching certification in Florida. Ah. Um, so I want to be an art teacher. So I'm in the process nice. of 
yeah, getting all of that. You know, when you first think about like becoming an art teacher, you're like, oh, I'm gonna, um, you know, just, I know how to paint and I know how to draw and I know how to do this, but all like the preparation to get your certification is like much more in depth than that than mm. I really expected. So just like the prep behind all of that, you know, I've had to be taking classes and studying on my own. And yeah, the last six months have been kind of chaotic for me. So mm. very relieved to have passed and now get to just move forward with that. Mm, that, that it sounds like there's a lot of dedication and consistency involved in uh, seeking to be uh, an art teacher, like aiming aiming for something, like going for something, like and and, and achieving it. And and how you talking about the relief off of your shoulders, like when you when you got the, when you pass the exam. Mm-hmm. And so, like, speak a little bit about that. Like, speak a little bit about the the effort that goes into like sticking with something and 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 uh dedicating to it yeah well you know honestly i i don't think i would be the like dedicated person that i am today if i hadn't you know gotten sober and like found Mm. some right so like you know i i feel like being able to hold myself accountable to studying for these exams and you know even just like waking up every morning and doing like the day-to-day of like having to go to school and like having to go to class and all those things like i do not I truly do not believe I would have been able to do those things if I was not sober just because of knowing kind of like who I was before (laughs) sobriety. And like, I was in school for four years and I was not sober and like, it was a struggle. (laughs) Right. So like now at this stage in my, in my journey and I've now found sobriety and now I'm doing all of these things, I'm like much more, I don't know, just it, it just becomes so much easier to like manage all of those things and to, you know, get get myself on the path that I need to be, right, to get to that point. But I don't know, all the like the prep work is just it's like an added bonus, right? Like I, I get the, the end goal is the thing that I look forward to the most. You know, it's like knowing that in a year's time I'm gonna I'm going to be in my career. I'm, you know, like, and I'm having kind of a career change in this journey. Right. So like, uh, I know that the end is near, but all the prep work, like it's exciting to do it. Stressful, but exciting. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, you definitely, <laughs> definitely answered my question. There, yeah. uh, you definitely answered the question. And it's like, it, it speaks to the intentionality that, that kind of creeps in once we get sober into recovery, where it's like, Oh, like now I'm intentionally, designing my life to be what it is that I want it to be versus kind of just floating and just, you know, ending up where it is that I end up. So like what, what other areas do you think would you say have cleared up for you and, and, and that you've gained clarity on in your life since entering sobriety? Uh, so many, you know, I, I, I struggled a lot with like maintaining relationships, whether that be like family, friends, partners, anything like that. You know, that was kind of where I think my addiction was hurting me the most. And through that, I've been able to just like be such a better friend and, you know, sister and daughter and uh, girlfriend and partner. And, you know, all of these things like sobriety has really taught me just like how to be a good human being to other people and how Mm. to like nurture relationships and not be so consumed with, you know, my own stuff you know like I I feel like I was a very selfish person in addiction Mm. you know I'm I'm so much I'm I'm it's easier for me 
to like recognize those things and like, you know, through like the self growth to aspects of my life, you know, you know, learning who I am, learning, you know, the things about myself that I love and the things about myself that like, I like, you know, but I want to improve on, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. just, it's just knowing who I am and then having that be kind of like a vehicle and how I am with other people. Um, I think that definitely was probably the biggest part of my life that, that sobriety really gave back to me. You know, I think when I, when I got to the point where I was like, okay, this is, this is, it's time to get sober. It was like all of my relationships around me were failing. Mm. Um, and I'm like a very, I, I'm more of like an, an introverted person. Like I, I can, I like to be extroverted, but at heart I'm more introverted, but in that I've always valued like cro- close relationships, you know, like I never really had a big friend group or anything like that by any means, but I always had people that were really close to me and like, those were my rocks. And when I was at that point, I was losing those people. And that was the point that was that one when I was like, okay, you need to, you know, you need to prioritize them and yourself. And, um, you know, if I'm not doing this for myself, at least do it for these other people that you love and care about. And eventually it'll all come full circle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you said, that sobriety uncovered like that, that about you. Cause I think that's such a, that's such a key that none of it is like this new thing that was bestowed upon you in sobriety. Like it was always who you are, like your, mm-hmm. your heart is your heart, you know? And then you were able to access these parts of yourself more where relationships were so important to you. And mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you're uh, you know, you, you know, found this, this sober lifestyle and, you know, you immediately became part of the Phoenix and not just for yourself, but to hold a hand out to other people. And, you know, art is something that's important to you. And now you want to teach it so you can like share that gift with Mm -hmm. other people. And, you know, within this lifestyle, you're, you're really prioritizing relationships. So like you really are, I mean, that, that part of you that you're calling selfish, like that, that wasn't actually who you are, you know, like the yeah. person that you are, I mean, we're all a little selfish. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Innately, like we're human beings. Just some of that, that veil was kind of lifted and like, here you are and like who you were meant to be and you continue to grow and always looking behind you to see who you can help. Um, I think is just one of the things I admire the the most about you. And I, I think that's just, that's just you, you are just and growing into that more and more every day. It's been such a cool, cool thing. Um, to know you throughout this this time, which I know has been like the tiniest little sliver of your life that we've known each other, but it just have been really grateful to be part of it. No, so thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's pretty sweet. So I, I do want to like zoom in on the relationship aspect because this is this is a big one. Um, there's a saying that the opposite of sobriety or the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community and human connection. And when it comes to like relationships, like that's just a big thing that we all kind of are seeking to cultivate or develop in our lives. And what I've learned in my my own personal life, like how uh, you, you spoke about how learning yourself has allowed for you to learn how to show up in relationships and vice versa, because mm-hmm. some of your motivations for your sobriety was the relationships that you treasured and valued kind of like slipping away. And, you know, they both kind of played into each other. So like there's, there's a little phenomena that I I come into, uh, I come to experience like, like to this day, 
I can notice that I'm not listening. <laughs> like, I, like I like to hear the sound of my voice and it's like, but I really care about this person and my intention is to like be there for these people. So the difference between then where I was like trying to look like I cared because I care about this person, but I don't even necessarily have the capacity to be there for anybody because I'm hardly ever there for myself. So I, I'm putting a mask on like I care, but like now like really taking note like, oh, like, oh, this person cares about this or they want to share and I, I have this thing inside of me it's like oh speak about this say this you know touch on this but it's like shut up (laughs) shut up and listen so like have there been any uh aha moments for you in relationship that um while seeking to develop uh your relationship with people uh you you've kind of find important yeah i think speaking a little bit like to what you just said like i think one of the biggest aha moments is just you know, listening to understand as opposed to listening to respond, you know, like when I'm having conversations with people, like it was the same thing, you know, I I had a really hard time with just like connecting like what I, you know, I do care about this person and I want to hear what they have to say. But like at the same time, I just will check, like I was always checking myself out. So just, I think the, the aha moment was just like truly like pulling apart my own, you know, my ego and, you know, just like being able to recognize that this is not about me, (laughs) you know, no, you know, I'm here having this conversation. I'm here talking to these people. I'm here building these relationships and it doesn't need to be about me, you know, in some capacity. Right. But just, um, yeah, I don't know. Just being able to like truly like listen and be there for friends. And I think one of my biggest flaws as a human being is that I, I love to, give unsolicited advice sometimes. (laughs) And um, I've just really learned to, sometimes you just have to, you know, my journey does not look like anybody else's journey, Mm -hmm. whether that be in sobriety and mental health and my physical health, like anything, anything that I've done to get me to where I'm at right now is not the like standard. Right. And I think, you know, having to, to bring myself down a little bit and realize that, not everybody is going to is going to figure these things out the way that I did as quickly or as not quickly as I did just knowing that like people are all we we are all human beings and we are all beautifully flawed and beautifully um you know connected and I think I can't I can't hold people to the same standards as I hold myself and not in a bad way I just have to know that um, and that I'm, you know, I'm doing all the things that I need to know that I need to do in my life. And if I hold other people to those same standards, then it might end up hurting the relationship rather than, um, improving it. So, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm forever learning about myself and about the people around me and the people that are closest to me and just trying to, to meet them where they're at, because that's really all I can ask someone to do for me, you know? And so I can't, I can't expect all of these things from other people around me. I just have to to listen and to be there and to to love and to to receive love in a healthy way and to give love in a healthy way. And, and I think that's the the most I the, the best thing that I've learned in this process of you know cultivating healthy relationships in my life. Oh no, that's beautiful, and I think yeah. it holds so many parallels to recovery. I think we could tend to have this. This, this feeling as there's a right way to do it. And like Liz was talking about, like there's there's so many ways to go about 
the continuous increased quality of life. And so when it comes to like recovery or relationships or like the, nobody has a monopoly on what's right. <laughs> and I think like the, the, the thing that pointed that out to me the most was the cultivation of the relationships that I cared about in my life and like how I would feel like I got to tell you like this worked for me this way. So if you would just do it this way, it's like, ah, nah, cause you know, that may be of a detriment to you because, uh, I may be saying these things before you're ready to hear it. Or maybe the things I'm saying aren't for you to hear. They're for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, I definitely could relate to those uh, to those sentiments. And um, I did want to zoom in. You say you you were you consider yourself introverted. So mm-hmm. how does that play into like you developing new connections and you broadening your community? How do you balance like considering yourself to be an introvert and you know feeding into the relationships that already exist and creating new connections in your life? Yeah, like definitely within like the Phoenix, I feel like that part of myself was challenged the most when I first kind of got integrated into the Phoenix. I would say when I say that I'm more introverted, it it comes from a place of just when I'm around a bunch of people that I don't know or that I'm not comfortable with, like I tend to be kind of more like reserved. But it's like the second that I pass that threshold of like, oh, I these people understand me like I'm comfortable with these people. Like, I feel like that's when my extrovertedness comes out. So that was kind of how it was when, when I formed, you know, when I joined this community of of people, it was like, in the beginning, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a baby sober and like, I had no idea uh, how to do any of this. Um, But, you know, just in, you know, even filming, forming my relationship with Liz and, you know, Brittany and Caleb and all of these amazing people at the Phoenix and Tampa and Tony. And, you know, they were all kind of like my, my rocks um, in the beginning of this and, it was like the second that I was able to like truly be accepted and comfortable with them, which was like immediately, honestly, like they, they were so welcoming to me. It was like all of those, you know, worries kind of went down and, and I just, I threw myself into it because I felt like I had to as like, you know, I, I didn't do any like sober programs. I wasn't in a 12 step. I didn't do, you know, anything like that. So the Phoenix really was my recovery program. And you know, the second that I, I truly felt, you know, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. These are the people that I'm supposed to be doing it with. I I gave everything to it because that was the only way that it was going to work. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. No, I, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> no, you. you uh, so in, so I am the outsider here. I'm in Detroit. We don't have palm trees and we don't have <laughs> beaches. And I know you and Liz uh, are down there with with the the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm interested in how you met Liz, how you got involved with the Phoenix, and even your journey before the Phoenix that had led you to uh, seeking sobriety, seeking recovery, seeking a change of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wherever wherever you want to start a set and just kind of take me through, because I I don't know you and I'd like to get to know. <laughs> yeah, no, good for story. sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, so. I, I guess I will start with college. So I was in, I did a four-year college program at the University of Tampa. I was super involved socially. <laughs> so I, I was like, I did my academics, you know, I went to class sometimes. I did the bare minimum to like get the grades that I knew, know I needed to get. And, you know, that was kind of the end of it. But I was very, very involved in student organizations and um, Greek life. I was in a sorority. I, I was just very consumed by like all of the social as- aspects of college, you know, and, and I think there's like this 
weird stereotype that like Greek life is this like full beast of just like everybody partying all the time. And, you know, I am someone in recovery. So like, I try not to like still feed into that stigma because I think like that part of my life did do a lot of good for me. It did really shape me as like a leader and, um, you know, help me to be the, you know, communicative person that I am today. But I cannot sit here and say that it did not feed into also the, you know, the the drinking part and the the partying part. And that was, you know, kind of the the beginning of the end for that. So it just, you know, it, it was like a slow burn, right? It's like when you're in college, you go out and you, you know, you have a good time and you know, whatever. But you don't really think anything of it, you know, and you're and some, you're surrounded by people that are all kind of doing the same thing. And you don't realize that like, okay, so all of these behaviors are kind of toxic, you know, mm-hmm. you don't realize that, you know, when you're that young, that like, this is where this could lead to. And not to say that like everybody that goes to college and drinks and parties are, are going to end up with like a problem, but uh, definitely was the truth for me. And I was in kind of like a long-term relationship in college as well. And that person also had some, you know, problems um, with substances and, you know, that didn't help either. And so when I, when I graduated from college, it was like, I stopped being involved with all of these organizations and I had so much free time. And what did I do with that free time? I just <laughs> crazy, you know, I was like, Oh, finally, like, I don't have to do it. Like I, I was, um, I graduated and I took a year off from uh, originally I was going to go right into grad school and I had like a totally different career path. I was going to go into higher education and I wanted to do like, I wanted to be a Dean of a college and kind of go that route and, you know, climb that hierarchy. And so I was going to go right into grad school, but I had this like aha moment where I was like, maybe that's not what I want to do. So I took a year off and I was working like two jobs and just, you know, getting by. And I was like trying to like, just enjoy that part of my life. But I was going out almost every weekend. I was, I was making bad decisions. (laughs) And I was, you know, everybody, I was surrounding myself with people that were doing that too, you know, and I was working in the service, I was working in the service industry and I was a server and a bartender and, you know, when you're in that lifestyle and you're surrounded by all of that, you know, it's really easy to just kind of get consumed by it. But then I, I had a few heartbreaks and Mm. I think the way that I, I coped with those and it was kind of like two really significant um, endings of relationships kind of back to back. And the first one I definitely coped by just, you know, like trying to forget all of it and just like drowning my feelings. And I never truly healed from that one. And so when I met the second one, I just brought all of that back into that relationship. And at the, at the, at the like heart of it, it was just like, that was my rock bottom, you know, mm. that, that second relationship, because that person had been like, you know, by that point, my drinking had gotten to be bad. Like I, I wasn't, I, when I always say like, I, I don't, I don't put myself in like a box because I, I wasn't at the point where I felt like I craved it, like that I had to, you know, have it in order to, you know, function, you know, it was never something like that, but it was like, when I did drink it, I became a different person. You know, I was someone who 
I don't know. Nobody, no one wanted to be around me. You know, I, I just, I was mean. I was, um, I was sloppy. I was just, I was always all over the place. And like, I always would say like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like, I would drive and I would like just do all of these really bad things. And none of my friends really knew how to handle it or control it. So they just were like, yeah, whatever. She'll figure it out eventually. Um, or she won't. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, so that was kind of that. But it was the beginning or it was the summer of 2020. So like right after kind of like the initial shutdown of COVID and that time specifically in my life was like very hard. And, you know, I like I was during quarantine and, you know, we were all stuck inside for three months. Like that's I just like I wanted to die every day. And all what did I do to combat that was just drink. <laughs> and uh so I, after that like initial um shutdown I uh met someone and things kind of progressed very quickly but I hid my drinking from them for the beginning of that and once they kind of broke down those walls and they started to see like kind of who I was at that point in my life and when they realized that that person was not really in alignment with who they thought that I was and also like who they wanted to be in a relationship with. They were like, yeah, now this isn't going to happen. Um, and it like, it, it broke my heart mostly because how much they ex- expressed that my drinking habits were like mm. the, the meat and potatoes. Like they were like, that's, that's the thing that I really can't, I, I don't want to be in a relationship with you because of the, because of that specifically. And like that hurt. And when we decided to end the relationship, I had this idea that I was going to like throw myself into fitness and I was going to, you know, get really involved with my health and, um, which is like a good thing to do, right? Like if you're going through a heartbreak, like that's always like, in my opinion, like a good way to like cope is to just, you know, get your mind off of it by, you know, doing something that's like good for your body, good for your mind. And I was just like looking for yoga classes and all of this stuff. And, I, I saw an, a thing on Facebook that was like a free yoga class in the park um, on like a random Wednesday. So I showed up and lo and behold, it's Liz's Phoenix class. And mm-hmm. I, it was like it, when I sat down and it was like it was just me, Liz and Tony, who also works for the Phoenix. And it was someone else, I think, in that class. And it was like only like four of us. Oh, that um, was when they were small. Yeah, it was very small. It was only like four of us. And I remember like being like, oh, this is cool. Like really, you know, small and everybody knows each other. And I was like, I wonder how they all know each other. They must do yoga all the time. And then like Liz starts her class. You know, look, we're a, a sober, active community. And I was just like, I was like, if there's ever a sign from the universe, this is it. Um, because I had up until that point, you know, after the breakup, I had really thought about, you know, like there's probably some truth here. You know, I probably should look at, my drinking habits and look at how it is affecting my relationships and my life of overall and just how it's just only been hurting me the last, you know, three years that it's gotten to the point where it was at then. And so that night I went home and I like, I just, I was, I told my roommate, I was like, I'm done. And she was like, really? She's like, this is it. And I was like, this is it. And that was, that was the last time I, ever did any alcohol or drink or anything like that and I like I went home and I dumped out all the alcohol that I had in my house that was mine and 
after that, I just like full send and I was, the Phoenix was my life for like that whole, you know, like 10 month period of just, I wasn't in school. I was still working. I was nannying. I wasn't in school yet. And I still was like figuring out kind of where I was at in my life and what I, what I was aiming towards. But because I had all of that free time, I just every day, you know, if I could go to a Phoenix event, I would. And I just, I, you know, I let it kind of become my everyday life because I needed that kind of structure in order to really hold me accountable to this like goal of being sober. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I met Liz. That's how I got involved with the Phoenix. And, um, you know, where, when being the type of person I am, when I saw that there were areas that they could use help in or like use extra volunteers in, or if they needed a class, they, they, you know, they wanted to add like an art class to the the schedule. When I saw those openings, I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to do that. And that was really what helped me in, in getting to where I'm at now. And when I realized that I wanted to go back to school and be a teacher, you know, everybody was so supportive and it was kind of sad because I had to like kind of, put the Phoenix, um, at, you know, kind of like a lower priority at that point, because I was starting to like really find all of this stuff like for myself. And I was starting to do all, you know, go back to school and I was in like five classes a week and just, you know, like all of these things that I would have never imagined I would have been able to do if I was still drinking. And so it was like a bittersweet moment because I was so grateful for like that, like 10 month period where the Phoenix was like my whole life because they really like gave me back the power to be able to be doing what I'm doing right now. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. That's a, that's a beautiful story. Liz, you want to uh, chime in on, on how, how you were there when she showed up and, 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 and what that was like. Yeah. It's so funny. I, gosh, I remember you coming. I don't, I don't think I knew at the time that you hadn't known that it was a you know, sober <laughs> community. Um, but I remember you having that a little bit of a deer in headlights kind of, kind of look, you know, when I'm going over the community standards, which is super common, you know, in, in any, in any class, um, any Phoenix class, because that's the cool thing about it is you're never going to be the only first, only person who it's your first experience. Cause there's always, mm-hmm. always somebody who's their first time, always somebody who's there for a long time. But what I do remember just vividly is how quickly you became a leader in the community in like our little Tampa community, because I I mean, very quickly you were, even before you were actually like officially volunteering and leading events, if I was teaching a class and you showed up, like you were the welcome wagon for all the other new people, all the other deer and headlights people, like you were the one who was welcoming them. You had had that experience, you know, recently I knew what it felt like to be the new person. Also, I think you had a more of an awareness than the rest of us that there were people that were finding our class and not realizing that it was the Phoenix. So you were so gracefully able to welcome them and let them know, you know, what, what was happening here and, um, you know, tell them where to get a mat and get a block and just make people feel really comfortable right off the bat. And it was, yeah, you were just a, a leader from, from the get go. And it was like, you just, you just fit right in. And, and, and it's cool because you come from a different story than in Tampa, we have a bigger and bigger by the day, but you know, small, but mighty core that, that was there back then. And a lot of us were quite a bit older than you. Mm-hmm. A lot of us saw like parts of ourselves in you from 
many years ago and, you know, we're just blown away that you were kind of taking these steps forward, you know, at your age and go, you know, in the part of your life that you were in. So it was cool because we were like, I feel like we all had things to to teach each other. And gosh, I just have been inspired by you from, from the very beginning. And just so grateful that you walked into that class that day. Cause man, you've changed the landscape of, of the recovery community here, here in Tampa. And think about the people that are part of this, you know, this life that weren't before that wouldn't be if it wasn't for you. I mean, we've we've gone the Phoenix has gone to the University of Tampa, thanks to you mm-hmm. and like led classes, some of our biggest ever. I mean, there were there's been like, what, 20? I yeah. very bad counting skills, but a no, lot of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like I I just my goal at that point was to just tell as many people about the Phoenix as possible, even people that I know that like, didn't necessarily need it or like didn't I didn't, you know, people I just wanted people to know about the Phoenix and I wanted people to like feel the love that I felt, you know, I think that's why. And like, the biggest part about the Phoenix that I really loved is just, you know, the accepting all pathways to recovery and, um, you know, kind of accept like accepting however you get there is, you know, your journey and just wanting to share that with other people because I feel like, and I, I've gotten to a point now where I like am really big on like sharing kind of sobriety um, information and just like, like sobriety memes and just things on like my social media and I've had so many people just like reach out to me and be like I've never been able to think about this the way that I I do now that like I've seen you know you talk about your story or you share these things on social media or you you know just exist as a sober human and it's like so inspiring and I think that's like something it's like the best compliment for me is just knowing that you know and that's like one of my main drives is like being someone who can inspire and help other people and I guess that's probably why I would be a teacher, right? Like just someone who can, you know, be that, that that inspiration and that motivation for someone else while still being able to be that for myself. But just being able to share that with others is is something that I am super driven by. So Yeah. Now what I what I've come <laughs> to understand is the prerequisite for being inspirational is to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Uh, there, there's, uh, so, and, and my, my pathway is a little different as well. Uh, I got, I got sober at 24 and, um, I'm going on nine years now. And one thing that has kept me kind of showing up is because I've had a couple of experiences working with people and I, and I come from a 12 step program. So like working with people in a 12 step program and, you know, they don't stay around and it's like, uh, somebody would tell me like, but are you still here? And it's like, yeah, I am. And it's like, well, you continue to work on you and you continue to cultivate the strengths that you are cultivating so that if they decide to come back, you're still here. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what this is. Like, this is a never ending process. Okay. <laughs> All right. Surprise. You know, and it's just, we learn so much. We learn so much through our experience and uh, just because I am who I am, like I do kind of want to zoom in. You spoke a lot about heartbreak and I'm a big I'm a big emotional, like I'm super emotional. A big reason why I used to get high and drink was to numb up the ways that I feel. Mm-hmm. And so in recovery, like I've learned that to build emotional process to allow me to to show up for life on life's terms and not be debilitated, but be empowered by my emotions. So mm-hmm. you mentioned a lot of heartbreak that had led you to seek sobriety or seek life change. And, and that helped you to kind of like look for something different. But have you experienced tough emotions, heartbreak, heavy things in sobriety? And if so, how have you learned to cope with those things? 
Yeah, I think if anything, I have felt those emotions a hundred times deeper than I was when I was drinking. It was a trick question. (laughs) Because when you, when you remove, when you remove the alcohol or the drugs from your life, it's like you are forced to just feel your feelings for what they are and, you know, show up for yourself, however you decide to do that. And for me, it was like, I felt like I was on like, (laughs) I don't know, like my, my emotions were heightened when I got sober, you know, like I had never, because for so long I had just numbed it out. I had just, you know, I was just, I didn't want to feel them as deeply. And, you know, I, I, now I always talk, when I talk about like sobriety to other people, I always say that like alcohol was like just a bandaid for like years and years of trauma and, you know, just mental health and all of this stuff that I had dealt with like my whole life that I didn't realize that that's what alcohol was at that point in my life. Um, but being able to look back now, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. So as a sober person, as a sober person now, I can like recognize that my feelings are much stronger, but like, I feel like I have a better understanding of who I am and how to like, you know, really show up for myself. And I think in the beginning, the best way for me to like channel all of those like heavy emotions was just surrounding myself with people that understood where I was coming from, you know, like have community of someone have support in any way and to just I was like I journaled a lot and um I was I saw like professional help for a little bit you know I was like looking into like therapy and you know I'm big on like breaking any like stigmas about mental health because I think those are super important you know and you know if you're not taking care of your mind you're not taking care of yourself and you know and then just my fitness and just like you know having a healthy lifestyle and I think those are the best ways that I cope with those heavy emotions now. But I always, the advice that I give to anybody is to just like feel your feelings, like let it, let it hurt, you know, let it hurt. Because if you, if you let it in, like it's going to suck, but it, it, it won't suck for as long as you think it will try to understand what you're feeling. And, um, you know, I can't sit here and tell anybody how they're supposed to feel or how they're supposed to really deal with their emotions. But for me, I just, you know, I just let it in and, and it, it does suck. And there are, have been times where I've questioned whether or not the way I'm feeling is, is because I'm still sober. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I, you know, you're, you're only feeling this way because you're not drinking. And I'm like, no, that's backwards. Like, <laughs> um, you know, but like everybody feel, you know, like, and I'm, I'm going on like a little over a year sober at this point. And there have been days where I've, you know, I've felt feelings a lot stronger than other days. And I like, I, I went on TikTok recently. Like, I've been on TikTok. I like have gotten on to on the talk. And sometimes, some days, like if I'm feeling a type of way, like I'll just get on TikTok and I'll just talk about it. And like nobody watches it. I mean, people do sometimes. <laughs> I like, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes people, you know, see them. I just remember one day in particular, it was like, it was the, it was like my seventh month sober. And it fell on a day that was like, super significant to me. Um, and I had a lot of emotions happening and like, just like some other minor things were happening in my life, but just like, it just like felt like everything was happening in one day. And I had never felt the way that I did on that day. And I remember I just like went on TikTok and I just like talked about it and I like hashtagged it like sober. And I had so many people view that video and comment and be like, I'm so proud of you. Like people I don't even know. Um, like I didn't go like viral by any means, but it was like the first time that I had had like strangers 
in the sober community be like, I'm so proud of you for staying sober today. And like, we are all here for you. And just, it just made me feel so good. And it made me realize that like the sober community, I feel like is one of the strongest communities that exist because, you know, we, we are all, we all show up for each other no matter what. Um, And it just, it was like a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And so just being able to talk about how I'm feeling is honestly the best way to cope with it for me. It's also a great way for other people to be able to cope, to hear, to hear you like you really, because you don't sugarcoat things, you know, Mm -hmm. like the way you talk about it, you talk about the hard stuff, but then you talk about why it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think just exactly what you said, like that, the drinking was like, it was the solution to a problem. You know, it wasn't originally the problem. It was a solution, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're just a human with a, you know, brain that's working real well and found something that made you feel better. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that was a solution until it became its own problem. And I think one of the reasons you're so inspiring, and I hope that some folks that are listening to this can feel that inspiration is that it doesn't have, you don't have to wait till the solution becomes such a huge, huge problem that, you know, I think sometimes folks go and and look for hashtag sober, look for, you know, am I, um, you know, do I have a problem, things like that. And they run into, some of the most, the biggest stories, you know, like the, the, you know, jail time and the loss of jobs and the, the really big, you know, life altering things that are significant. And, you know, a lot of have happened to, you know, people in our lives and, and me, you know, and a lot, a lot of those exciting things. But the fact that you're able to talk about how drinking was affecting your life and your relationships in a way that maybe no people might not have really seen on the outside. They might've just been like, well, that's what you do. You're in college, you know, and you were around other people doing the same thing, but you were able to realize that the solution isn't solving anything anymore. And then to step outside of it and see what it's like on the other side. And then you can show people that. And so somebody else who's kind of trying to figure that out doesn't have to wait till that, you know, rock bottom is like, you know, dug deeper mm-hmm. and deeper. So what a gift to give to people to be just living joyfully and then yeah. also living through the not joyful days, but being able to show how worth it that is. Yeah. So, so to, so to the person that right now is like, you know what, like I'm going through it. I, I'm not where any of these people on this podcast is. <laughs> I just happened to turn this podcast on because it was recommended to me or I, I stumbled across it or I Googled it and, and this popped up and I need, I need some words to, to help me push forward and, and seek what it is that I need to find in my life. Cause this, what I'm doing, drinking, using is, is not working for me. What, what words would you tell that person right now? I would tell them to. One thing that really helped me was to think about myself, think about my younger self and think about all of the dreams and all the goals that that person, that that girl had, you know, think about all of these, you know, I had, I used to talk about all of these like huge dreams that I had when I was a child. You know, most of them were kind of like larger than life thinking, but um, just like the, the inspiration that I had as a child. And I, I would say to think about your child self and to think about how you would, how you would feel about where you're at in your life right now. If, If your childhood self could see you, what would they think? And to just sit with those feelings because I think for me that helped the most because it helped me put things into perspective of like, okay, but I'm not, I'm not where I want to be. And 
I want to make her proud. I want to make her happy. I want to make her feel loved. And by no means did I have like a normal childhood, but I was still a really happy child at the heart of it. And I was a really loving child. And I'm all about like healing your inner child. If you can't tell, (laughs) you know, I'm all about, you know, like doing that work. And I think like, that's kind of where, you know, I read this book that was called um, Quit Like a Woman. And um, I think Liz actually had recommended it to me. And it's by Hollywood Occur. And it's um, a beautiful book about kind of like an unconventional way of finding sobriety. And that book taught me that I can, I don't have to put myself in this box of this is exactly what I'm supposed to do to get to the sobriety point that I want to be at, that all I have to do is like, just look within a little bit, you know, and sometimes it's hard to like really self-reflect, especially if you have had years of, you know, substance abuse and things that you have used to, you know, totally not even think about those things, you know, so it can be very difficult. But if you even can look in inward a little bit to just recognize the parts of your life that you don't like and why and understand, okay, so why, why do I feel the need to like drink every day? Why do I feel the need to do these things all the time? You know, and just being able to really understand what the root cause is of why we're doing these things. Why are we putting our bodies through this trauma every, like all the time? Why are we putting ourselves through this? Um, you know, cause it's not for nothing. And sometimes it might just be, well, that's, you know, we live in a society that is kind of obsessed with, with all of this. So, you know, whatever that reason might be for you, if you can really understand that you can actively choose to change that part of your life. You know, if you can understand like, okay, for me, it was like, I drank because I have had years of emotional trauma. So for me, it was like, okay, now let's try to fix Now Let's try to like heal from that emotional trauma because the bandaid of alcohol isn't working anymore. And so I would just, that would be my advice. Just try to look inward a little bit um, and, and surround yourself with people who, who understand what you're going through because any person who's sober, regardless of where, how they got to that point, they know what you're going through in some capacity. They understand the feeling of this is not what I want my life to look like. And I think just, you know, having a good community around you is going to be the best thing for you in that situation. Definitely, definitely sage advice, definitely sage advice. And I'm sure somebody heard that and and, and needed that right now. And I, I would add as a cherry on top of that is just to have compassion for your process mm-hmm. um, uh, at, at the risk of sounding like a, a, a 90s infomercial. Like it's, <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late no, it's to not. to start today. Mm-hmm. To start the day and and embrace embrace our process with love and understanding, and, and know that we we can't give what we don't possess. So you know it, it starts with giving it to ourselves yeah. and showing up for ourselves. So for those who may be down in Florida and are interested in coming to Phoenix programming, which Phoenix programming, if this is your first time listening to the Rise Recovered Live pod, Live podcast, 
Ross Recovery Live podcast. I, I always switch up the live and the lives. <laughs> Look, we're going gonna, we gonna, we gonna to put me on Front Street, so y'all got to hold me accountable to listeners and lives. Um, but yeah, the Ross Recovery Live podcast. Hey, um, uh, Phoenix programming is a sober active community. We have programming that can vary from indoor rock climbing to hiking to biking to yoga to meditation to well we got a pistons game coming up uh social outing here in detroit we got you know it's a music program we got all type of stuff and everything that we do is free to anybody with just 48 hours of sobriety so down there in florida where the palm trees is in the gulf of mexico is where liz and adriana is how can people tap in do do, do you still lead programming now that you've been going to school adriana um, I did take a little bit of a backseat just because I, you know, I needed to prioritize myself and I've gone to some events. Um, I, I've stepped back to more of just like a volunteer and like I, I can show up and I can enjoy the programs, but I haven't led anything. I think starting in like February or March, I'm going to start teaching an art class again, though. So nice. be on the lookout for that. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. So fun. We and have that's... an art class at the Phoenix by somebody who passed the art class teacher exam. <laughs> we are super official. Yeah. <laughs> is so good yeah and you know the cool thing about the phoenix and like and this this amazing community is that you can do that and like like you'll be just cheered on you know it's not like where have you been you know certainly like if you don't see somebody for a while you reach out because we care about each other Mm -hmm. but it's all like you know way to go that you're going getting this stuff you know way to go that you're you're taking that next step you know and you're still just as important a part of of the phoenix and you know you're just as loved just as supported you know there's always going to be space for you to come in and lead another event but you're a, of course you know you're still you're coming you come to events and if you're not in florida if you're not down here in tampa if you are we'd love to see you at an event or in any one of our gosh i think we're probably close to 50 cities that we have between 30 and 50 i know we were hovering that we have live events but we also have the virtual program that we've talked about before where there are live streaming events so on zoom you can come to a class or an event all day every day you can sign up on our app or on our website and we link all those in our show notes and yeah so so join us so reach out to us download that app because you can connect with all three of us adriana we're so grateful that you came on so grateful to know you so proud to know you and be walking this path with you and just thank you enough and I myself, I'm glad to meet you for the first time. And this was a conversation that has added to my my spirit. I think I, I'm, I'm a little bit more lifted up today after this conversation than I was before this conversation. Hopefully, for the sake of me seeing a palm tree sooner than later, <laughs> I can come down there and maybe we'll, we'll hop, in, hop in a class together or something like that. Yeah. So before before we get out of here, do you have anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Just thank y'all for listening. It was, I really was happy to have this conversation with y'all. And I agree. Like, I definitely feel my, my spirits have been lifted since this conversation. So um, I just appreciate that. And I guess just love yourselves. Everybody love themselves, you know, have love for yourself because that's where it all starts. It's just like, yeah. So easier said mm. than done, but that's the best advice that I could give. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming and thank you for your time. And thank you all for listening to the Rise, Recover, Live podcast. And we'll you catch you on the next episode. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. So now you're excited. Bryce, Liz, how do I get involved with the Phoenix? 
Well, my friend, it is super simple. We actually have an app. Head over to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store or look in the show notes of this podcast, wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast and go download the Phoenix app. The Phoenix app makes it so easy to find classes that are near you or to access our virtual class schedule where you can hop on from the comfort of your home. You can also join our groups and have a conversation with someone from the Phoenix community from anywhere in the world. Please make sure that you join the podcast group where you can connect with Bryce and I and other listeners. Everything that you need is in the show notes. You can also head to our website at www.thephoenix.org. And maybe while you're there, you click the volunteer tab and get even more involved. 